Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Thank you, friends, for engaging. And I have been so excited about today's guest for weeks. Dr. Chuck Lawless joins me today as we talk about church membership, current trends, and connecting new members as we seek ways to connect and disciple church members. Now, Dr. Lawless is the Dean of Doctoral Studies and Vice President of Spiritual Formation and Ministry Centers at Southeastern Seminary there in North Carolina, where he also serves as Professor of Evangelism and Missions. In addition, he's the team leader for the Theological Education Strategist for the International Mission Board of our SBC. Now, Chuck is a prolific blogger, has written multiple top-selling books, including Membership Matters and Spiritual Warfare. And uh, Dr. Lawless, we're so excited to have you. Welcome to our Georgia Baptist Discipleship family. Thank you, Scott. It's always good to be with your folks in Georgia. Thanks for this opportunity. You betcha. And we really are excited that you've joined us today. And, and we're also excited for those of you who are in the audience who are listening, viewing. Thanks for engaging with us because you are the reason that we do this each week, every Thursday at three. And uh, just a reminder, before we jump into Chuck here, I want to remind our audience that our team has a pile of resources that we give away like we do each week. So make sure that you leave a comment and you'll be entered into a drawing. And if you share the link, you get double entry into the drawing and an extra helping of banana pudding at the next family gathering. So if you missed the full discussion, listen, don't fret. We can, uh, we can help you out here. You can listen afterwards on YouTube, Instagram, all podcast platforms. And of course, it lives on the Georgia Baptist Discipleship Facebook group long term. And Ray Sullivan, our producer today, will make sure that those get into the chat. Now, Chuck, let's jump into here because I have just been so excited to visit with you, but also this, um, this topic of church membership, because I'm hearing a lot of things. So as I travel the state of Georgia, you know, I'm hearing people that'll say, look, church membership is not biblical. It's not necessary. And then other ones will say it is biblical and it is foundational. And then other ones are coming along just saying, but I don't know, like, how important is it? Like, we want them to join the church, just get them to fill out a card and let's move on with this thing. So I thought I might just jump in with a question. Is church membership really necessary for where we are in church life? Yeah, it's a great question. And I would, I would start with, we are we're hard pressed, Scott, to go to the scriptures and find the words church membership. We don't find a, a mandate that says everybody who is a believer must join a local church. On the other hand, as we look at the principles and general teachings of the scripture, it seems to me that the weight of the evidence certainly is on individuals being part of a corporate body in a in a local area. I read I read 1 Corinthians 12 and read as, as God puts the body together however he wishes according to his will and 
Uh, one may be a hand or an eye or a foot, but we all fit into, into a local body in some way. In First in Peter 5, where uh, the elders are told to shepherd the flock, certainly the, the implication that they know who their flock is and those that they're they're responsible for. And then, and then I read the, the uh, church disciplinary passages, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, where we're told that we, that we confront somebody and then take somebody else and take them before the church if we need to do so. Or, or 1 Corinthians 5, where uh, they are excluding someone from the body to bring that person to repentance. These, these passages that talk about excluding and bringing people back in uh, certainly suggested they knew who was a part of their body. And so I, I do think while we cannot say that the Bible clearly says we have to be a member of a church, the implications are, are much weightier in that direction. And, and so I would, I would argue that church membership is necessary for, for strong Christian growth, because when we join a church, we're identifying with that local body and we are we're committing ourselves to say, I want your leaders to shepherd me, to help me grow. And at the end of the day, we don't serve Christ by ourselves. We serve Christ with brothers and sisters in Christ, which is the way God intends us to, to serve him. So uh, I do think it's necessary if we're going to continue to grow in Christ. That's a great word, great thought. And I would even say now, Doc, that, that in today's current circumstances, this is not a day when it was ever less important. I would say that these are days when it might be more important. When you think about the influx of new people into new, this like we're, what we're seeing in Georgia is just this, this mass exodus and influx back and forth, switching, moving churches, going, listen to their favorite guy online, but going somewhere different. So uh, just a, a great word as our leaders think through, is it important? And then how are we going to do that? Um, now, that, that leads into our second question here. How can effectively, if we're going to have church membership and we're going to try to onboard people into the church, how can effectively onboarding new members into the church set the tone for effective ministry and create increased long-term engagement? Yeah, I think we've got to think in terms of, Scott, both the, the front door and the back door issues in our, in our churches. The front door, how do we bring people in? And the back door, how do, we, how do we close that back door so we don't lose folks who are just falling through the cracks? Well, I think one of the reasons we have wide open back doors is we have faulty front doors, mm. is, is we, don't, we don't think enough and work hard enough at, if you want to become a part of this local body, then we're glad to have that conversation with you. But let's also talk about what does it mean to follow Christ? Let's talk about counting the cost. Let's talk about if you join this local church, we expect you to be invested here. We expect you to, to uh, use your spiritual gifts through, through this congregation. We expect you to help us reach our neighbors and reach the, the nations. And it seems to me that, that people are most excited about their local church and in many cases, most excited about their Christianity when they are first looking at joining a church. And they, there's something that's attractive to them. There's something that's made them think about, this may be the place, this is the, the local body that I want to serve with. And so if we don't capitalize on their passion right then, if we don't build on their zeal right then, 
we can we can see all of that fire quench pretty quickly. But on the other hand, if we bring them in saying, all right, we want you to serve Christ through this church, and we're going to help you figure out how to do that. Here are some means by which you can do that. We're going to help you discover your spiritual gifts. In fact, we'll help you do this in a in a membership class. We'll have others talk with you about your your talents and your abilities and and how you might want to serve. And we want to show you not only what we expect of you, but what but what you can expect of us. So we enter in the covenant together. If we can do that when people are most on fire for the work of the gospel, we're much more likely to get them invested in the local church and remain invested in all that we do as a local body. That's great. Now, there'll be some people who are watching this and they don't really even know what we're talking about. They're like, hey, yeah, join the church, fill out a, a paper. But but I've written a four-session new member class that, folks, we're going to put that in the chat right now, and you can have that. Listen, I wrote it, so I don't have to get permission from anybody, so you can use it. You can even use your language and just take the top part up and put the name of your church if you want to. We're giving that out as a free resource. Now, Doc, I want to just take a moment as well because you have written lots of books, lots of blogs. There's lots of resources um, and I would say one of the leading authorities in the nation in these areas. So if somebody's listening right now and they want to know, hey, where can I get his book or where can I know and get in touch and get on these regular blogs he's putting out? Uh, can you can you tell us where to find that? Yeah, sure. Sure. My my blog is chucklawless.com. It's not not original. Just my name dot com. Uh, and I try to write a, a daily practical blog. My goal is to be encouraging, to be helpful. I also write a, a daily devotion based upon my own Bible reading because I want folks reading the word as well. Uh, I did write a book on membership a number of years ago called Membership Matters. The, the research is now dated, but I do think there are some things in that book that can help churches think about how do they put together an effective membership class that, that along with the, the work that you've done, Scott, that maybe together we can help your, your churches. Fantastic. Now, that really spurs another idea here. How important is the idea of new member engagement or new member class? How important is it to have that tied to an overall ongoing system? Now, let me, let me tell you why I'm asking this, because I just had a conversation with a pastor in middle Georgia, and he's got a one-time class. It's about an hour. He basically just kind of, here's, here's generally what we're about as a church, and then he gets their information, and he wants to know if they're saved, okay? Well, they join the church, but it's not tied to any other vision or process of disciple making. He wants to get there, but he didn't have it. And I don't think he's alone. I think that is a, that's a majority of our churches out there. So how important is it for the new member onboarding to be tied to an overall disciple making process? Yeah, I think what we did a number of years ago, I think, I think Rick Warren was helpful here with his purpose-driven church model, where he began to help us think about entry points and moving people into a church via, uh, one of the bases on his on his baseball diamond and, and helping us think through there is a starting point. I think that was helpful. But I think what many of our churches did is we produced a class that was really an information class where you learn about the history of the church, you learn about the, the vision of the church, all of those things important, but they weren't necessarily connection classes and they, they weren't connected to uh, the rest of the puzzle, if you will. They were a piece of the puzzle lying over here on the floor, and the rest of the puzzle wasn't in place to move people into active ministry and effective membership and reproducing themselves 
according to the to the Great Commission. Uh, and so I, I think there's a place for information, but if but if all we're doing in this this very brief class sometimes is to give people information and consequently we're going to assume that they're going to get invested in the local body, that's not likely to happen. Uh, I think a, a membership class is really just one part of the process of producing disciples through a local church. And, and we ought to be able to say to potential new members in a membership class, here's the next step, here's mm. the next way to do this, here's what we already have in place to move you where we think you need to go as a, as a follower of Christ. we got to have the whole system in place to use it most effectively. That is gold, absolute gold. Now, let me just riff off that just for a second. What are a couple of key components if people, if people are going to bring them through a, a new member class? What are some things? And they're like, one of the obvious is, let's give them the gospel. Let's make sure that if they're going to join the church, that there's been a genuine conversion experience. Do you have anything just off the top of your head? There's, hey, hey, think about these other two things that, that we may need to make sure are part of that. Yeah, I would want to clearly make sure they know the gospel and that they, that they know Christ. They've had a conversion experience with Christ. Uh, I would also want to follow up. Are they taking the next steps in baptism? So we're just asking practical questions as we're we're essentially evangelizing in that in that membership class. But I also would want to make sure that before they get out of that membership class, that they know that everything that we do is grounded on the Word of God. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to get into everything in the membership class, but they need to come out of this this class knowing that the decisions we make, the doctrines we hold. We find them in the word. And then I would also want, in, in my estimation, I would not want a new member to get through a membership class without us at least beginning the conversations of spiritual giftedness, God's design for our, for our lives, so that we can best figure out how to be effective as a member of this, of this church. Because I think this way, Scott, I think... I think what we do in a lot of our churches is we we think for our nominating committees or, or elder teams, whoever is doing this, uh, we start with positions in our churches and we, we start filling the positions. We have this open slot, so we put somebody in there. We have this open slot, we put somebody in there. We, we start with positions to try to find people. Well, I think, I think that's largely backwards because God gives us people. And so let's start with the people, find out who they are, even in a membership class, so that before they ever get out of the class, they know we want them invested in some way. And then we help them figure out who they are as a person and what positions might they carry out as a part of this body. Totally agree. Completely agree. And I've always said that when, we, when they get in that class, they need to connect in three areas. They need to connect with Jesus, connect in a group, and connect on a service team. So when you talked about their giftedness, you know, just, man, my, my mind just lit up because I think people really need to know what their spiritual giftedness is and then help them match that with, a, with their passion and, and find a place to serve. Because my experience is if we can do that, then they are more passionate about what they do when they serve. And if they're unhappy when they serve, unhappy people create unhappy people. So gosh, just so good, Dr. Lawless. Um, now let me mention this because this is a, a natural segue. What are some trends that you're seeing in church membership on, in terms of what they look like and maybe even when they meet or, or structure-wise? Are you seeing some trends? 
Yeah, let, let me go back just a second, Scott, to the to the issue of connection and make a make a recommendation. Uh, I encourage churches that when you have a membership class, whether it's one session or multiple sessions, uh, and I'm seeing more and more churches increase their sessions to more than just one, and they're doing it because they want to build relationships in that in that class. They want people to get connected there. And that's probably easier to do with two or three sessions than it is with one session. But here's here was my point. I encourage churches to, to bring into their membership class not only folks who are seeking membership, but bring into that membership class a few people who are long-term members. Because, because what you're doing then is you're connecting potential new members with, with long-term members I, I even argue that let those long-term members tell the history of the church. They've lived it. Uh, in some cases, they've been there longer than we've been there as the pastor. And so that way I can, I can accomplish a couple of things. I make connections from new members with older members. Often I'm making connections across generations. If we're reaching younger people, but I'm bringing some older people into the, into the class, that way they get to know each other. You know, it's, it's really easy to get frustrated with new growth when you don't know names and you don't know stories. But, but if you connect people in a membership class so that longer-term members are grateful for the newer members and the newer members are grateful that the longer-term members have kept the doors open, you're already making connections that will strengthen the church across the, across the board. So good. And what I found in Houghton, Louisiana, which is where I served 16 years before coming to Georgia two years ago, is that multiple classes or multiple opportunities for training in a row did two things. The relational engagement that you're talking about, it built the relationships. And what we found was the more relationally connected they are, the more consistent they tended to serve and attend. The second thing was we did it at a time where we wanted to create a rhythm for them because we're creatures of habit. So we wanted them to get in a rhythm of being at church during life group. So we did the new member class for four weeks during life group. And when they got out, we transitioned immediately into a life group. They knew where they were going to go. They knew how I walked into the class the last, well, the fourth session. And uh, gosh, just so good. Anything else that you're seeing there? Yeah, Scott, were you the, were you the pastor of the church? I was what we call the equipping pastor, which is kind okay. of in that role was kind of an XP slash discipleship. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. One of the things I have found, and I and I stand by this pretty strongly, is that the the person who's doing the preaching needs to at least make an appearance in that class, because that may be, depending on the size of the church, the the closest those members ever get to that to that senior leader. And just taking some time to tell his testimony, to let those new members get to know him a little bit, uh, just a little bit. I promise you they will listen differently when he stands behind the pulpit. Uh, and so even though it may take a little extra effort to, to do that, to be as one session, or even to lead the entire class, I think there's incredible value in uh, the, the lead pastor playing some role in, in a membership class. Gosh, so good. And that happened with us as well. For Gavin and I, we would share a three to four minute background, what brought us here, who's here we are. And it just dropped the veil of this unapproachable person. And then they felt like they knew us. They felt like we were best friends and they would hug us in the hallways. And very good. Very, very good. Now, 
Uh, guys, I, I wrote a, a book called The Watershed Principle, and in that, I talk about connection is not the point of discipleship. Christ-likeness is the point of discipleship, and connection may be the first stone on the path towards Christ-likeness, but it's not the point. So here's a follow-up. So, so Chuck, for the pastor who's listening and says, look, I know I should have an intentional, effective new member pathway or class, but I simply don't have time or I don't have the experience for that. Man, if they were to come to you right now and just say that, and there's going to be thousands of people who hear this, what would you speak into the life of that leader? Yeah, here's what I would say. One, we have, we have brothers all over the country who have already walked in this path who would be willing to help. And so you don't have to do this by yourself. The other thing I would say is the benefit of having an effective membership class is, in my estimation, so strong that if it means that that busy pastor has to get something else off of his plate to get this membership class together, that's exactly what I would do. Because my, my guess is uh, we're doing other things that, that won't bring the same kind of value and honestly, if we do a better job of bringing members into our church, we might have fewer messes that we have to clean up later on. Uh, and so it frees up some time for us to do better ministry. Very good. Very good. And, uh, and as a follow up, when we think about that, you know, trends that are happening, we were talking about that, Chuck. One of the things I'm seeing that I want to make sure I drop in here in Georgia is, um, and you talked about this for a moment. Uh, a lot of them are going from a one-time class to multiple opportunities. The other thing I'm seeing is like, I, I'm like, I love the being Sunday morning during life group, get them in the rhythm, but I'm also seeing something that's working in several churches in Georgia where they're having a one-time on a Sunday morning, but then they're given a next option on a Sunday night where we come and we talk about baptism and then a Wednesday night, maybe where they talk about how to serve and they'll do a banquet. So they're doing multiple classes, but they're doing it different times so that they can accommodate multiple schedules. And man, that is working like uh, just wildfire as well. But it makes a lot of sense to me. We're, we're trying to reach a lot of people who are busy at different hours of the day. Yeah. Uh, the, the big issue is this. Whenever we do it, we have to do it with excellence. Mm. And, and we'll, we'll get folks to be involved then. That's great. And look, I want to ask one additional question here, and it's kind of cousin to what we've been talking about with new members and classes. And, and when we talk about leaders not having enough time and they're, they're being too busy and they're simply too tired. You wrote an article in it, uh, a blog, and it said 10 things that happen when church leaders don't get enough rest. And, and it's just an excellent article. And when I read it, there were pieces of it, honestly, that were just convicting because I am one of those guys that I, I get up early and I work hard. And a lot of times I stay up late and it's not very, it's not healthy to stay up late and get up early, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so when I read that. I'm like, ah, you know, I've got to rest so I can have a lot of energy to do well. I got to, I got to be before I do. So you mentioned that, can you just maybe be personal for a second and just speak into the heart of those leaders, which I guarantee you, there's a lot that are listening right now that are not getting enough rest and they're wore out and they're frustrated. Some are depressed and some are super discouraged. Can you just speak to the heart of that leader right now? Yeah. You know, I wish, I wish I could say that I figured all this out. And so here's the solution. The truth is I'm, 
I'm 60 years old. I'm still trying to figure it out. And it's interesting, the older I get, the more urgency matters to me because I know I'm not going to live forever. Yes. Uh, and, and just honestly, in the past three and a half weeks, my my mother unexpectedly died. And this past weekend, my father-in-law passed away. And so it's been a it's been a crazy few weeks, but but every day has been a reminder that that we don't have forever in this body. Uh, and so we have to figure out how do we take care of ourselves physically. And I, and I mean, not only getting rest, but getting exercise, eating decently, that this is the body God's given us. And if we don't take care of ourselves, we, we will have less to offer to our families, less to offer to our churches, less to offer to the, to the nations. And so I, I think we have to work hard at how do I manage my time well? Because, because it's not always the case that we can just dump stuff off of our plate. Sometimes we just have a lot of responsibilities, but we can certainly learn how to manage our time better so that we can get more rest. And if we, if we don't do that, we, we will wear ourselves out in an unhealthy way. And at the end of the day, and this, this is where this hits home for me, sometimes, sometimes I don't get enough rest because I've allowed my ministry to become my place of self-esteem and ultimately my idol. And, and if that's where I am, I not only need to get rest, I need to repent first. Mm. Um, and then sometimes with, with COVID, with everything, we've, we've all been probably busier than ever, it seems, doing things that we've never had to do before. Uh, and so, it, so in some ways, it feels like, wow, we're just investing here now because COVID has demanded this. But at the end of the day, we're still responsible for raising up other people to do work with us, that we equip others to do the work of ministry. And if, if we're not investing in others so that they can help us and, and free some things off of our shoulders, we're, we're just not leading well. And so I think we have to work more at that. Ah, that is so good. And I am listening and I'm taking notes on this. And it really is a dangerous cycle, you know, because I've experienced in my own life, we don't manage our schedule well, we get tired, and then we limp through a day, we skip over priorities, uh, we're not as focused on some of those on that personal accountability, or, or family relationships, and we don't do well with our personal time with Jesus, our private prayer life begins to suffer. Our personal study of the word just kind of falls aside. And then one way we, that we wake up and we're not as effective and our wife is gone and our kids don't know who we are. And I'm telling you, I'm hearing those stories over and over. So folks, I hope you'll look at that blog. And more than that, I hope that you'll just internalize this concept and, and help us to do better. Now, look, Chuck, that was, we had some prearranged questions, but I got one more that has just come to my mind. And if I don't ask this, because I, I see you as one of the most high capacity, effective leaders in the nation. Your blogging is not reaching hundreds or thousands. It's touching tens of thousands of people. And I ask a question um, a lot to guys like you, because I want to learn, okay? This, is, this may not even be booked for the rest of the broadcast. This may just be for me. What are one of those one or two top leadership lessons that you've learned that have helped you be consistent and sustain excellence, but to lead at such a high level? Like that's a question for people that are not leading at your level. Just wonder, man, how, how did he get to where he was doing 
so many things, but do it for a long time and a high level. Is there just anything you would throw out? Yeah, one thing would be, uh, and this is very practical. I, I can walk you through seasons of my life when I was less productive, and I don't claim to be as productive as folks might think that I am just because they see the, the blog. Uh, but I can look back at the times when I was was less productive, and it was often connected with by not taking care of myself physically. So, mm. so I intentionally get up early in the morning and get to the gym. I, I do that uh, because that's a theological issue for me. This is the body God's given me uh, and I need to take care of it. And if I can do that better, eat better, uh, get a little more sleep, then with what seems to be fewer hours, if I'm sleeping more, I can get more done in the process. And so that's been really important to me. And the second thing has been, uh, I, I cling to men of God uh, who, just, who just walk with the Lord. And by cling, I mean, I, I pay attention to them. I, I, I make a phone call. I send an email. Uh, pastoral mentors who, who just, they just exude the spirit of God from their lives. And, and I want to, I want to learn from them sometimes by just hanging out with them for a little bit. I, I want to walk more closely with the Lord. And if I can get that part, right, then all the other pieces fall into place a little, a little better. Gosh, that is so good. And I've got a board of directors for my life, Chuck, and nobody on that board even knows they're on it. Wow, that's great. Like, I love like it. I'm reading people. I'm listening yeah. to folks like yourself, what they say when they're on broadcast and I'm taking notes and, and I want to live and serve at a high level. And when I'm, man, when I'm, when ministry is done for me and I'm, I'm about to go to the grave, I want my wife to still know I love her more than anything on the planet. And I want my kids to know how special right. they are and that their daddy loved Jesus and he didn't throw it away for some kind of worldly pursuit. So that's, that's exactly right. I'm with you. I appreciate that word. Man, so good. Well, listen, friends, uh, many things in local church life are hard. Preaching every week is hard. Being a second chair leader is hard. Being responsible for ongoing discipleship and being judged by attendance numbers is hard. Family relationships are beautiful, but they can be hard. And then you're throwing the pandemic and, and this. sometimes these times feel almost impossible. If you're wondering whether or not uh, you're walking this dangerous cycle and this path that could be destructive, I want you to remember this. The day your past victories are more memorable and motivating than your ability to implement your future plans, you are on a road to burnout and you're in need of revitalization and rest. I hope you'll just remember that. I hope you'll share this broadcast and I hope you'll pay attention with some of these nuggets that Dr. Lawless has shared with us because they're absolutely gold for sure. Now, remember, uh, our discipleship team is here. We've got guys living in the region of Georgia, and we're here to serve you. And we've set up 40 learning communities, and we've got about 250 leaders meeting uh, almost monthly, if not bi-monthly. Uh, and they're existing to inspire, to train, and equip leaders so that we finish well. Dr. Lawless, thank you so much for your decades of faithfulness, for being a friend, and being one of the most consistent voices of knowledge and insight in our nation. Appreciate you being on with us today. Thank you, friend. I've enjoyed yeah. it. Now, just a quick question, Chuck. If somebody says, hey, I'd love to be able to invite Chuck to come speak, to be a keynote, to, to invest in my staff or whatever, is there a place, is that chucklawless.com where they could get in touch with you? 
It is, yeah. If someone contacts me through that website, it'll come directly to my, my inbox. Super. And we will make sure that we put that in the chats as well. Ray Sullivan, thanks for producing for us today. And I want to remind our uh, listeners, friends, listen, you're only able to do this because you give to the CP and that's why things are able to go on the production. So I pray today's discussion with Dr. Chuck Lawless inspires you to think beyond borders and equips you to make world impacting disciple makers. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-making.